It's now time for an in-depth look dedicated to all things pertaining to the New York Red Bulls, tackling all of the latest news and happenings both on and off the pitch. This is the Fall of Bulls Podcast. The Red Bulls rebounded from their bad loss to the LA Galaxy, but it could only muster one point in a home draw versus Toronto FC. We analyzed the match versus TFC and preview Saturday night's contest versus the New England Revolution. Hello and welcome once again to the Full of Bulls podcast. Alongside Alfredo Fumasas, I'm Mike Corbett. We are talking about the New York Red Bulls, their recent draw against Toronto FC, and the upcoming match this Saturday night against the New England Revolution. As always, you can follow our Twitter page at FOBS Podcast on Instagram at Full of Bulls. Find us on Facebook and subscribe on iTunes. Alfredo, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Mike. It's good to be here for another show. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, the Rebels will get a win this Friday. Uh, they're looking to get back on the winning track, but we'll get into that. I so, uh, hope you're doing well also. I know you're doing well since your Manchester United <laughs> won the Europa League. Yeah, yeah. Some people say I snuck in the back door, but hey, you know, you still have to go through a whole you know, Europa League campaign. Yeah, it's not the Champions League as quite, you know, as, as the quality and stuff like that, but it still is... A bit of a grind. You got to play all the matches on it. Th- well, not me, but the guys playing the matches on a Thursday night. It also changes up a lot of your league games. Pretty much the last month and a half, all the games are on Sunday, so I couldn't really go out Saturday mornings, have a few drinks, which is maybe a little bit better. Been uh, saving money on the bar tab, but it was fun. I was out at um, a bunch of my buddies were out watching the game yesterday. It was a great atmosphere. You know, I guess I guess for some people, it wasn't a riveting uh, match, but hey, you know, a win is a win. And there's some signs of a success this year. Some things they need to improve upon. Uh, sounds familiar. Some some signs of a success. Some things need to be improved upon. Yeah, and for sure. It's like another uh, team we'll be talking about here, the New York Red Bulls. And after their struggles against L.A. two weeks ago, you had the high-flying Toronto FC, the big red machine. I'll steal that from the 1970s Cincinnati Reds. Came into Red Bull Arena. And they played to a you know, pretty entertaining 1-1 draw. You had Bradley Wright Phillips with the, the bicycle kick off the header from Goldbranson, which that was something different where, where uh, Jesse started to two of them up front this week. That's something I want to ask you about here in a moment. Then uh, some changes at halftime. Toronto equalized at about 20 minutes ago. Benoit Shereu sc- uh, scored a goal. And then... Yeah. I mean, Toronto had a few other opportunities. Jose Altador was denied by Luis Robles on the penalty kick. Then they had another one, a controversial goal, whether it was uh, offside interference or not, where it was waved off for uh, Toronto. Ricketts, he was the one where we had talked about last week. It looked like he might have had the winner in the 89th minute, but that was waved off by the refs, and it ended in a 1-1 draw. Um I, I th- one thing I wanted to start with before I start, you know, getting into, oh, the Red Bulls and stuff like that. Just overall, as I was saying, your thoughts on the first half of the game. The Red Bulls did come out with a, a different formation. Jesse Marsh decided to start Goldbranson up front with Bradley Wright Phillips. He brought Mike Grella back into the, to the fold as a starter. And Jesse had said that, uh, I guess, he went from the start of the game with a, a 4-1-3-2 formation where I guess Philippe was back as the only defensive midfielder. Um, 
your, your thoughts overall with the different formation and how they came out, the Red Bulls, in the first half, and then we'll get into the second half and all everything that happened then. Yeah, well, I, I think that the, the Red Bulls reached the point in their season where things weren't really working out for them and they needed to do something different to not only get back on on the on a winning track or, or uh, on a, a track that where they weren't losing games, especially at Red Bull Arena, but they, they needed to to give teams a, perhaps a, a different look. And I think that that's what Jesse Marsh was going for. Again, uh, with Tyler Adams being away at the U-20 World Cup uh, and Sean Davis hasn't really been a, a very good substitute or even a very good alternative um, to uh, to play uh, uh, next to Philippe, I think that uh, Jesse Marsh looked at the team, looked at his personnel, and, and and thought that this was probably the best he could do. Uh, drop question into the midfield a little deeper, give question a little bit more time with the ball, have Philippe go behind him and cover the spaces where he needed to be, and just just let question just really operate that midfield from a deeper position. And I think that the overall, I thought that the Red Bulls did well again. Um, still not creating uh, as many chances as, as they should. In the final third, there's definitely a lack of of pace, um, and it just seems that that's the biggest concern for me right now. Is uh, these Red Bulls defensively? I thought they were okay, with the exceptions of a, of a couple of miscues. But I think that in the final third and into that last phase of of, of build up into the final third, the Red Bulls need a little bit more pace because they don't have uh, the 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 wingers that we had seen in 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 years past, like we had mentioned before we came on, Dane Richards, Lloyd Sam, uh, the Red Bulls are a team that plays more compact. They don't have a lot of width um, on this team, but in order for uh, to do that, and we know they're going to have the possession because they have so many guys, uh, you know, compact in that middle. We, they need to uh, get a little pace going into the final third. Combinations need to be sharper. They need to be faster. That's how guys are going to get behind the defense. And right now, there there really isn't any pace in the Red Bulls' uh, final third. They do get a, a goal off a set piece. Looked like it was something that was drawn out. A ball played into the second post, then played back into the first post, and Red uh, and Bradley Wright Phillips was there by himself. I don't, I don't know if I would call it a full bicycle, but definitely something with training wheels because it was that low. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, but nonetheless, it, it's good to see Bradley Wright Phillips get back on a score sheet and it's good to see the Rebels starting the game, uh, on the winning track. Now, oh, go ahead. Now with, I mean, it, it looked, it looked fairly good the first half with the, with the change of formation. Then at halftime, he pulls off, uh, Frederick Goldbranson. And was that was when he went with um, – that's when he brought Sean on Sean Davis. Davis. I'm, yeah, I was getting mixed up with Groh. Yeah, with Roy. Roy came on for uh, Groh. So he, he does that switch at halftime. And, is that, and Marsh said there was nothing wrong with him. It was strictly for tactical adjustments. And they, they yeah. changed up the formation a bit. And in the second half, it seemed like it was – there for Toronto FC to take for the for the victory, and yeah. you might say that TFC might be a little bit disappointed and come away with three points. Now the whole change from what they did right in the first half compared to what they did in the second half and holding on to to keep the point at home. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought that uh, Toronto came out and they were very patient. They looked like a team who didn't really have a sense of urgency. They didn't really need uh, to go chase the result at Red Bull Arena. They know that the Rebels are usually strong at Red Bull Arena. They knew that the Rebels are coming off their first loss uh, in, what, 17 games at Red Bull Arena. So they knew the Rebels were going to come oh, at yes, them. Uh, we're going to come at them. So the the, the Toronto um, Toronto FC was just happy and and being patient and looking for for a buildup, looking for an opening in the back. And I I thought, and I was watching the game with Eric at the stadium, and I told him this, you know, this Toronto team is very good, but they look like they're only playing at seventy five percent of speed that or the, of their capabilities because I've watched them in the past and they were. They could do much better. Um, well, we do. I, I hate to interrupt. We do have to say that they did have a big um, scheduling crunch within the last month. That was their, I believe, their seventh game in 29 days. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, I mean, they're also missing. Even though they did have about a week off, but I think maybe some of that was still catch up to them. Plus, no Sebastian Javinko, and there was a few That's other right. injuries that they were missing. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No. So I thought that uh, Toronto wasn't really – was – wasn't really a, a a reflection of what they've done so far, and yes, it could it could have to do with the scheduling crunch. It could have to do with the fact that they were missing Giovinco, as you mentioned. But in the second half, um, Jesse Marsh knew that Toronto was going to come back at them and chase the result. So what he what he did is he beefed up the midfield, put Sean Davies because he knew that the that um, that Toronto was going to uh, come at them through the midfield, trying to possess trying to find guys on the wings, trying to find on the overlap. So that's what he did. Um, was it the wise thing to do? Uh, I mean, in hindsight, I thought the Red Bulls defensively were were pretty good. But we saw that when Toronto needed to go chase the result and when they needed to press the accelerator to get that intensity and to get that sense of urgency to to get the goal, the Rebels struggled and, and uh, Toronto put on a, a good show and, and developed a couple good opportunities. That's what I, I find sort of disappointing because this was, if this was a match up in BMO field up in Toronto, okay. You know, I understand a road match. You, you know, you try to hold on to the three points. If not, you just come away with one point on the road, but it just seems as if the Red Bulls were just happy to come away with the draw where Toronto FC with a team where they were disappointed they didn't get the come away Red Bull Arena with all three points and this is a place where the Red Bulls have been strong since the stadium opened in 2010. It just goes to show you this almost the state of both the teams at this at this point where I was even reading some of the stuff from Curtis Larson who covers Toronto FC does a pretty good job for them up with the the Toronto Sun where it, it's almost um you you know. People are starting to come to the realization where, you know, early on in the season, people going, oh, maybe the Red Bulls are just slow, just getting things together. Now people are starting to come to the realization, you know, and, you know that maybe that they have missed their window of opportunity and maybe this is as good as they're going to be right now. Yeah, well, I mean, in, in today's uh, post-training session uh, with reporters, Jesse Marsh mentioned this is the first time that I've heard him mention uh, that they knew this was going to be a young team, that the, the plan was to go with the younger guys. And really, um, 
perhaps some of the goals they had to adjust the goals that they've had in years past where uh, they've won the supporter shield where they um where they've been at the top of the table uh, i think that right now and from what he mentioned from what i heard um he's more concerned about giving the experience to the young kids solidify this team and make a really good run at the one goal that matters for them which is mls cup but speaking of MLS Cup, I'm looking at the standings right now in the Eastern Conference. Red Bulls currently sit sixth on 17 points after 13 games. But as um, pointed out in Steve Cangelosi, the play-by-play voice, great play-by-play voice for the Red Bulls on MSG, he has a weekly column on the MSG Network site where he goes, that could be a bit misleading because the Red Bulls have played more games, well, as many games as Toronto FC has, but mostly they're the only ones that both are in 13 games. Everyone else either played 11 or 12 games. Uh, Columbus Clue has got 13 games, too. I'm sorry. If you look at that points per game total, the Red Bulls average 1.31 points per game. That actually ranks them ninth in the Eastern Conference and only has them ahead of Montreal and DC United, who both actually have games in hand. They they look like they're struggling maybe even worse than the Red Bulls this season, but they, they still have games in hand. So that can be misleading. And if you look at the teams, I mean, if you look at the, the way the standings sit right now, Toronto, Chicago, who's in action tonight as we record this Thursday night, New York City FC, Orlando City, Columbus, then right behind them, Philadelphia, who were saying you know, a few weeks ago that was supposed to be a must-win. Well, now they've won four games in a row. New England, who's going to be this week's opponent, they're right there. Atlanta United, we're not sure. You know, they're an expansion team, but you know, it looks like they can give some teams problems. You know, they say, yeah, there's the goal is just to make the playoffs and you know make a run to MLS Cup, but that's not necessarily going to be a guarantee this year, which as it looks as the Eastern Conference is a lot stronger now than it has been in years past. So that's something you can't just always just rely upon going, oh, we're just going to work out during the year and go on a run at the end because maybe at the end of the year it could be too late and you're out of a playoff spot. Yeah, I think that uh, the most important thing, in, and I think that Jesse mentioned, mentioned this, is the fact that they need to build some kind of a momentum towards consistency. So not go on these uh on these runs where they'll lose uh two of four or or, or when when two tie one you know whatever uh, i think that the team needs to move towards consistency and and i think that as you mentioned the the eastern conference is a conference that right now this early on and i think we're past the one-third uh, point of the season uh, this early on has shown that there's very, very good teams in the East. And as you mentioned, Toronto, Orlando, uh, Columbus, Chicago, um, you know, the, the New England Revolution, which we'll get into in a little bit. They're coming off two straight, a high-powered offense. So I think that right now the biggest thing for, for the Rebels is, is really try to, to stay with this back and not lose too many points. I think that they knew that there was this Toronto game was going to be a very hard game, and at the end of at the end of, of the day, and as you mentioned, I think that if if any team is going to be disappointed with this result, it's going to be Toronto. Yeah, it just goes to show you how how things can change, and whether they their window of opportunity if they let it slip away a few years ago to win a title, or if, you know things just happen to click this year. Back to the game. One thing I did want to say where we're talking, I gave a quick rundown of the stuff that happened during the match. I want to get your opinion. In the 89th minute, Tosias Ricketts had a goal waved off, and they called 
was the offside interference? Was it they were saying? Was it? Um, I forget who it was. Uh, who was in front of him? Uh, the, uh, the, 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 young the, the the young kid, uh, number forty-four, uh, Edwards, right? Edwards. Edwards. The um, I believe it was him where they were saying he was in an offside position, interfered with Robles, I guess his line of vision on the play. The Robles right. made the initial yeah. save, but then they jumped on the rebound right there. What are your thoughts on 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 the play itself and how it, and whether that goal should have uh, stood or not? It, it's the right call. It's the right call because at the stadium, when we we watched it live at the stadium, um, you can't really get a feel for where uh, Henderson was in relation to the last man. But we uh, we did. I did notice that when the ball came at him or or was shot in his direction, he lifted up his foot. So that automatically um, it, it could be viewed as an interference because if the ball is is coming at him and he makes some kind of a, a move. Um, with the ball coming at him, that could be considered as obstructing the, the the line of sight for Robles. And I thought that the the referee got that call uh, completely correct. Um, I also thought that the the Toronto PK was a little bit of, uh, of a soft foul, if you will, but it was a foul nonetheless. Yeah. So I think that the ref got that right. Uh, what I didn't think he got right, but it seems that the MLS corrected, was the the Murillo um, violent tackle. Yes. Uh, on Henderson. And it just came down today where he was issued a one match ban for be this upcoming for this upcoming uh game where uh, yeah, I just happened to see the the replay of itself and watch it where it looks like he sort of pulls on him then throws a leg out. It's one thing if he was throwing the leg out trying to you know stop him from an attack where you see that a lot. All right, you trip you get a yellow card, but to pull then to swing the leg, that that looked pretty bad. Actually on the penalty call what about right beforehand? Did you think there was a foul on uh, Aaron Long as the ball was being played in? So it looked know, like there it, could have been a foul call beforehand before even. It, it's tough. I mean, it it all, you know, when you have the benefit of watching a, a replay of multiple angles, I think that. I guess it would have been it would have been a bigger issue if uh, Josie Altador would have scored on the penalty kick. But I guess since yeah he did uh, didn't convert on it, then that sort of gets yeah. overlooked but that's that could have been another thing it was a similar situation a few weeks ago against chicago where chicago tied up the game where it was a play it could have been called a you know a foul and it wasn't and it led to chicago tying the game up although red bulls came down a few minutes later and, and eventually got the winner yeah i mean it, it's all gonna be relative to what the referee's uh angle and position is uh i mean was there contact yes there was contact uh, did he feel from his spot that it was enough contact uh, to benefit Josie Altador? Uh, I'm not really sure. Um, his assistant referee probably had a better angle of the play, but uh, nothing was called. And and like you said, Josie Altador missed the penalty kick, so it's not, it's a non-issue right now. Uh, but nonetheless, if he does make the, the penalty kick, maybe, maybe we're having a different conversation right now. I guess by the rule, um, back on the the, the Ricketts uh, goal being waved off, I guess by the rule they got it right. I I don't know. I just don't. Maybe, maybe I don't know. This is just me, and you know, some people say, "Oh, well, I'm an idiot," stuff like that. Which, uh, you know, they might not be <laughs> may not be wrong. I, I just I just don't like that call. You know, if if you're not really touching, and interfering with them, I understand offside rule and stuff. But I mean that that play. 
don't know. I, I guess I'm just used to watching hockey and stuff like that. You see the one guy will stand in front of the goalie, not not in the crease, but will stand in. You see the you know the goal. You know it's up to the goalies now. You'll be able to look around, you know, around the the guy yeah. who plants his butt, and that's why it's up to the defenders sort of get him away. You know, sometimes you see the goalie come out and hack him. I un- I understand the call. I understand by the rule of the law, but uh, I don't know. I just I just hate seeing goals like that waved off. Although, in this case, it was beneficial for the Red Bulls. All right, leading up to the game this week against the New England Revolution, few things that came out. As you said, Mario was uh, issued a suspension today from the league, and we just uh, ran down, you know, the reasons why. So that'll be one guy that won't be available for the Red Bulls this week as the New England Revolution come into town this Saturday night, 7.30 at Red Bull Arena. This will be the final game of a three-game homestand. And the last time the Red Bulls went uh, three straight home games without a win, not not three straight with a loss, but three straight without a win, dates back from the time period of May 10th to June 27th, 2014. So it's over uh, – Three years ago, where they went three straight games at Red Bull Arena without a win. As we said before, the Red Bulls sit in sixth place in the East right now on um, 17 points after 13 games. And one of the, the concerns, they played 13 games and they only scored 13 goals. And the team coming into town, New England Revolution, currently sit a point behind the Red Bulls in, in eighth place. But uh, they do have a game in hand. They do have 20 goals on the season. They have conceded 17. Uh, they're sort of a Jekyll Hyde, almost like the Red Bulls this year. They're 4-0-2 at home, but on the road, they've uh, yet to win this year. Four yeah. losses, two draws, and they're winless in the last eight, dating back to next last year. They are, after losing at Columbus a few weeks ago, they are coming off back-to-back wins against Real Salt Lake and Columbus. And I, I caught some of that game match against Columbus, and it was a... Uh, they they were um it was it was sort of a fun mo- match to watch a little bit back and forth and both teams are coming into this are very there's a lot of question marks I mean yeah you look at New England you look at the talent they do have they they still got they got Kamara they got Nguyen they they have players there they have guys that experience guys who've been to MLS Cup guys who have played you know international scenes guys that do have a lot of firepower now I was watching that game last week they were they could have scored a few goals they could have given up a few more too and they've also struggled with their different formations where as the Red Bulls you know whether they mixing things up and in, as you said they're good at home bad on the road uh, but they are. Uh, Coming into this one, this is not a match where people think with the Red Bulls, all right, after Toronto FC, you have someone coming in, someone behind you in the standings, it'd be good then to get back on track here once again, get a full three points. What's um, about New England coming in? Uh, you, is it more of a concern with their high-powered revolution attack about like trying to stop them or actually for the Red Bulls themselves actually scoring goals against this New England defense where they can be leaky at times, but, you know, yeah, they, they can I'm, light it up. I mean, statistically, the Red Bulls got a couple things going for them, right? So ever since they opened up Red Bull Arena, Red Bulls have never lost to the to the Revs. They're seven zero and one, outscoring the Revs seventeen to five. Uh, also, uh, the New England Revolution seems to be or, or is one of Bradley Wright Phillips's uh, 
biggest targets, uh, if you will. He has scored five goals against the Revolution. Nonetheless, this is a rivalry, a rivalry that not even in preseason took a rest when the, the New England refs took out Muil in a very hard tackle in preseason in Arizona. So mm. this is a rivalry game. I think that the, the refs are going to be coming into Red Bull Arena trying to break that trend of, of not having yet won in Harrison. Um, but also, they're coming off two wins, as you mentioned, have yet to uh, to win a game on the road. Uh, so they're going to come at the Rebels. It's also expected about a 1,000 um, Revs uh, fans, uh, Fort, supporters. They, they call themselves up there. They're, they're one group uh, at, uh, I want to say, Foxborough Stadium, uh, Gillette. Gillette Stadium there in Foxborough. They're yeah. the one area they call the fort. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the fort's coming down from New England, huh? Yeah. I think that uh, you got a couple things going. As I mentioned, uh, the Revs looking for their first away win. Uh, the Red Bulls trying to, to cap off their, their three game home stand with the win uh, since they have only had one point so far from the past two games. Uh, so I think that we're in for a very good physical match. Uh, the, the New England Revolution has been playing very well. They have a couple guys in the midfield that, that play very well. Nguyen, um, Fagundes is Fagundes, one of them. Yes. He had two uh, goals I, last week. Yeah, yeah Agudelo is coming back. He's first game back from, from uh, his injury. He has six goals. Nguyen has six assists and five goals, a key player for the Revs. Um, so this is going to be a very tough game for the Rebels, and uh, I think it's going to be a, a very hard-fought game, and I think that the team that's going to show the most desire is going to end up taking this game. Now, how would you line up? One thing I, I do want to point out for the Revolution, they are their defense can be leaky at times, and one of their uh, defenders, Andrew Farrell, will be missing this week. for He picked up a red card right at the end of the, the match against Columbus. So he will be out, and he's also he serves as their captain too at times. So um, that is something that possibly could give the Red Bulls a little bit of a boost. Now, how would you um, with with the formation? Did, did you see enough with the first half? With uh, or, or is that something special that they put out against Toronto, starting uh, BWP up front with? Uh, Gold Branson. Is that something you would try to go again with this week against um, New England and maybe take it a little bit further into the second half as well? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought they had uh, some success with the 4-1-3-2. Uh, so I, I don't doubt that uh, Jesse Marsh will field that same formation again. Uh, the biggest thing here is going to be the midfield battle uh, and it's going to be Sasha and Philippe against a, a very good uh, midfield uh, from the Revs. But I think that uh, this formation, this new formation that uh, Jesse Marsh deployed this past weekend has some makings of bringing the Red Bulls uh, success. They have one more guy up front to support BWP, so BWP is not working as hard to find free spaces, uh, not uh, not running into uh, spaces where he's not supposed to be, where he pulls himself out of position. Uh, and so with Gold Branson, they provide a little bit more support um, for the Red Bulls. Uh, I think that uh, Grella will be back. You will start. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. How did you like with uh, Grella got to start? He went about 60 minutes this past week, right? Yeah. So uh, how, how did you think with uh, Grella? 
Looking I, at know, his uh, first start in a while. Yeah, Grella is a guy that uh, has a very short dribble, right? And I think that for a guy that's coming off some time um, of being inactive, he needs to get that that rhythm back, that that little that one two explosive steps to get past guys with that short dribble. And I think yeah. that uh, I think as game and he gets more minutes under his belt, I think that he's going to become more effective with that short dribble. Um, good flashes from him at times. He's just not there yet. He's not at the hundred percent, the Mike Grella hundred percent that that we're used to see him, but that will come. And I think that he will be a very good asset for this Red Bull team. Uh, especially now that they're trying to build some momentum. Now you're talking about the big um, midfield battles with you know, the Red Bulls versus uh, the, the Revs and what they have to offer. Would you go back out there with Sean Davis? Would you try something again with him starting him on the bench and having him come on for someone where maybe if they have the lead, then you bring him on? Or do you, would you put him out there from, from the get-go against New England? Yeah, look, if if Jesse Marsh goes to the four one three two, it's Philippe and and uh, Sasha Kleshton again in the middle. So I don't think Sean Davis is going to have a a spot. Right. But the one thing that the Red Bulls have to be careful is that the, uh, New England, um, once they steal the ball, once they get the ball back, they're very very dangerous on the break. So I don't know if uh, perhaps with, with Sasha having a little bit more of the play, having to step up with the ball and getting himself out of, of a more balanced defensive position for the Red Bulls. I don't know how that's going to affect the team. And I think that's something that Jesse Marsh has to take into consideration. Um, he will give the, the the keys to to Sasha to, to uh, orchestrate that midfield, if you will, but the rebels have to be careful that they don't pull themselves out of position. So when it comes to the, to the defensive transition, they could have some balance so they don't open up for the, for the rebels. But I think that right now, Sean Davis is more of a defensive player uh, than anything else. And I don't think that the rebels will be that respectful of uh, new England uh, revolution when it comes to, to the way uh, they set up the plan to play them. Right. One guy, I don't think we've we've talked about him enough the the past few weeks before we go here, and just his contributions. Even though the Red Bulls have struggled a little bit this season, uh, just want to talk a little bit about his development would be and what he could have to offer with the attack going forward Saturday night would be Kamar Lawrence. Um, I I've thought the past few weeks, even when the the Red Bulls have struggled, he's he's um. He's he's done a pretty good job for himself. He had the 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 game winning goal a few weeks ago. Looks like he's not always known to be one of the the strongest defenders. He's you know known to but to want to you know jump up more and to play on offense. But I I've thought he's done as as they've struggled. I've thought he's really uh, handled himself well the past few weeks, and I I think he's done a solid job. Just overall, what you think so far with Lawrence this season and what he might be able to offer you know, for the Red Bulls against New England this Saturday night. Yeah, I, I think that Lawrence has been quite good uh, right alongside uh, Aaron Long. Um, I think that uh, the Red Bulls are always going to benefit for, from Lawrence's incursions into the final third. Mm -hmm. And I think that he provides a little bit of, of a, a fresh 
a fresh stake, if you will, because while the Red Bulls are possessing and then getting into the final third um, and, and are passing the ball around, uh, and as I've mentioned, with some lack of pace, I think that when Lawrence is able to provide the overlap, I think that that's very dangerous for, for the opposing defense because he's able to get behind the defense. He has a, mis a mismatch. The the guy that's playing uh, a winger on the up, uh, on the same side as him uh, for the other team isn't always going to track back, and he's always he's always going to be able to get behind the defense because of his, some some of his positioning. But then again, the rebels have to be very careful because uh, if he on that side is the one guy that attacks the most in this Red Bulls defense. Uh, the New England Revolution is going to be able is going to think of exploring, or, or is exactly. going to keep up keep a guy up front just to keep Kamara Lawrence at bay. Because if a guy is always going to be on him uh, and and on his side, he can't venture out uh, to make big runs because then there's going to be no cover for him. But I think that he, he's been very good this season. And and aside uh, from from a few things that the, the whole team has experienced uh, as a whole. I think that Kamara Lawrence has been a breath of fresh air on this team this year. I think that's going to be something where you're going to have to weigh the positive and negatives this Saturday, where if you, you know, want Kamara to jump up into the attack, it's going to leave you exposed in the back with, with uh, the firepower that New England does have. But it might be something where, you know, New England struggles a little bit on the road, so you might have to take some chances, try to try to get some goals, get up on them, and then before you can um, try to shut things down, or as Mourinho would do, you know, park the bus. One yeah. thing, I guess, as we're leaving here, when I was just reading, where I said they're winless over the last eight road games, the New England with six losses, two draws. They've also been shut out in four of those uh, games over that eight-game winless streak. Uh, whether the Red Bulls... Adds more of the New England uh, Revolution's misery on the road and shut them out again this Saturday night. That will uh, be uh, yet be seen, and we'll come find out maybe 9 o'clock, 9.30 Saturday evening whether New England breaks their snide and the Red Bulls continue theirs or the Red Bulls uh, start getting things going before they start their own trip. Yeah. For Alfredo Fumasas, I am Mike Corbett. Have a good evening, everyone. Thank you for listening once again to the Full of Bulls podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FOBS Podcast, on Instagram at Full of Bulls, and visit our Facebook page and subscribe on iTunes. This has been a presentation of the Full of Bulls Podcast. Thank you for listening.